Welcome to the Small Business Wake-Up Call, the twice-weekly podcast that will open your eyes to the kinds of insights you can use to better run your business. Come have your morning Joe with hosts Lonnie Shambi and Stan Simpkins, who have the right recipes and ingredients to easily help you cook up a storm for even your toughest competitor. No lectures, no wasting your time telling you how smart they are, and no bullshit. The Small Business Wake-Up Call is going to make you think, laugh, and help you recognize how much money you've been leaving on the table with advice that'll help you improve your quality of life. Lonnie and Stan are small business veterans who will share their individual war stories and experiences, not only from their own businesses, but also from guiding hundreds of other small business owners in over 100 industries. Head on over to sbvirtualroundtables.com where you can connect with Lonnie and Stan and save yourself some headaches. Grab that second cup of joe, or maybe something a bit stronger, and let's see what's on the menu for today. Welcome to the Small Business Wake-Up Call, and here are your hosts, with cups in hand, Lonnie Shambi and Stan Simpkins. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Small Business Wake-Up Call. On behalf of myself, Stan Simpkins, I'm a good friend and partner, Lonnie Shambi. Welcome. So let me ask you, when you need advice, who do you call? Ghostbusters? (laughs) Ghostbusters? <laughs> well, here are three better alternatives for you. Hey, good morning, Lonnie. Good morning, Stan. This is kind of a new horizon. Our second <laughs> podcast of the, or third podcast of the new year. We're excited about this. Delighted to see you here again. During the past few months, Lonnie and I, we've covered a myriad of business topics, sales and marketing, employee issues, production, cost controls, customer service, a host of other business operations, you name it. And no doubt, you had times when you said to yourself, none of this is new to me, and yet you've been loyal enough to keep coming back and listen. And that's a good thing because that means we can add value simply by bringing top of mind awareness, that Toma thing we keep talking about, to the various topics. We can also help to focus and help you focus on ways to improve how well you're working with not only what you know, but also with things that may not be on your radar at the moment. That's really one of the goals of the program. But today's topic is likely to be something you rarely, if ever, have you given much consideration to? And if you're like most small business owners, yet it could be a real blessing for some, and yet a potential nightmare for others, if not approached fully informed. And what Lonnie and I hope to achieve in this short session is to have you consider adopting one of the three approaches that we'll discuss for giving you valuable insights about your business, and one that could relieve you of a lot of stress, and done poorly could be adding to your stress, hate to say, and relieve you of valuable funds in the process. And I think that it's a topic that's not given enough consideration or understanding. Apple founder Steve Jobs once observed, everybody expects me to come up with all the ideas. And he then countered, but that's not how you build a strong company. If the tech world's preeminent entrepreneur knew he couldn't do it alone, what makes any of us think we can? In most of our lives, no matter the circumstance, be it as a child growing up, a young adult in college, or a hotshot young star in the early part of your career, there was always somebody who held you accountable, whether that be your parents, your professors, some of your first bosses, they kept you on the straight and narrow. Usually those same folks would listen to your questions and ideas and provide you guidance. When you became an entrepreneur, Starting and running your own company, unless you had partners, you answered to no one except the person staring back to you in the mirror, and that's going to hold you accountable. 
And not all of us are exactly honest with ourselves. Huh, Stan? Oh, yeah. <laughs> we tend to justify or rationalize actions and decisions, which may not have turned out as well as we expected to make ourselves feel better. There is no lonelier time in a small business owner's life than the first time he or she faced with either a decision or a situation that they never experienced before. They have no one to bounce it off of. Lonely at the top. Yes, it is. These are two of the main reasons why you as a small business owner should have some kind of advisory function that acts not only as a sounding board for your ideas and plans, but holds you accountable as you attempt to execute on them. But it also shouldn't be a crutch where you feel you can't make a decision without it. On the other hand, asking for help in running your company is not always an easy path to take. Founders and CEOs have one thing in common, notoriously strong-willed and usually with healthy egos. It's simply the nature of the beast. Anyone bold enough to venture out when his or her own is likely to struggle with the concept of accepting advice from outside sources. That makes a decision of any kind to implement any sort of advisory function in your business a difficult one. And for most of the 39 plus million small business owners, their founders, and even their successors, one key motivation was to not have a boss. So sometimes their egos in pursuit of independence works against having a successfully function advisory function. Simply said, small business owners need to have other sources of independent guidance beside their mirror, if only to provide feedback on specific issues that concern them. So Stan, why don't you touch on the three approaches that we've seen work? But remember, at the end of the day, it's what works for you that's important. So again, no cookie cutter solutions. Well, that's a good point, Lonnie. There's three common approaches that we all know that we've seen work effectively. And those are either a board of directors or a business advisory board or a peer advisory group. And we'll talk about that more later. The good news is not everyone is of these ideas fits every small business because, quite frankly, if every one of those 39 million small businesses were to form a board of directors, we'd be employing two-thirds of the U.S. population <laughs> on the board of directors if you count five per. <laughs> per. So what we hope to do with you today is to give you some guidance and figure out well, what's best for me. And so it's important to take an objective look at these three options and address the pros and the cons of each, which we're going to do. But regardless of your choice, based upon current and forecasting conditions, it'd be wise to consider adopting at least one of them and not just going the journey alone. Just as every professional athlete has a coach, well, every small business should have someone that they can bounce ideas or get ideas from or just hold them accountable to executing on the plan they have. And entrepreneurs often ask us which one's best for them. And of course, their answer is always, it depends. Depends. So- just like lawyers tell you when you ask them a legal question. The first thing you have to understand is there's a big difference between all three of these. But remember, it's all about two key things. Having a sounding board and someone or a group that holds you accountable, Lonnie. That's really what's important. All right, let's take each one in kind. Let me talk about the board of directors. As soon as you say something like that to a small business owner, their eyes roll back in their head because, oh, Board of Directors is something that a Fortune 500 company has, not my little company here. 
And most of the time, they're right. The time when you have a board of directors where the directors have a fiduciary responsibility, meaning that they can be held liable if they don't guide the company correctly, most of the time, that's not necessary. It doesn't really matter to have one unless one of two things occur. One, you have outside investors. And I put that in plural because usually with one outside investor, you can probably slide by without a big deal. But what a board of directors really is, is it's a way to keep the company on the straight and narrow, as we talked about before. And how do they do that? Well, typically, they do it by having formal board meetings, etc. And most of the time, these board members are compensated, usually with paper, that is, stock options, what have you. This is not like a Fortune 500 company where somebody's getting 50 grand to come to a meeting once a quarter. Nah. This is like you end up with 1% of this or that. And, and see, I've been on, over time, probably 20 to 25 different boards. And my wife has a favorite phrase that she uses, and that is, are we getting options again? We now have enough options to paper three houses. Lonnie, you and I know that in most cases, a board member in these situations would be better off getting Venezuelan currency. Yes, exactly. <laughs> but the point is, again, the board, depending on your situation, is in place to do two things. One, it's to provide counsel for you. That is, provide a sounding board. And two is to hold you accountable. Now, boards can do different things for people. That is, they can judge compensation. They can help you with all that. But it's usually when you get above $5 million in sales to whatever. Always, though, when you're a public company, you're going to have a board because the board's job is to protect shareholders. And if the shareholders are only inside, that makes no sense to have a big board of directors because you're protecting the guys around the table. But it's when you have shareholders that are outside, they've invested, et cetera, et cetera. I'm on a board right now where we have just that. We have three different investor groups that are on that board. The company's only three and a half million in sales. They're going to be 10 by the end of next year, for sure, because of the contracts they have, et cetera. Let's face it. I'm sure you have this experience. Most of the times when a client will bring up, hey, maybe I need a board of directors, it's usually as a result of some conflict where they can't get the other shareholders to agree, and they're somehow thinking they're going to hire a, quote, neutral third party that's going to vote their way. Yeah. And it doesn't work. It's like using the elephant gun to get rid of a mosquito instead of a fly swatter. The reality is that we're bringing it up today for you as our listeners, and we have to, and there are times when it fits. The reality is in most cases, a board of directors is going to be overkill because first of all, the two things are going to kill it are most small business owners are not going to spend the money paying board of directors what they would really expect to get paid if they're worth anything. And secondly, besides the extra costs, now they're going to have to really be accountable because what are you going to do after you form your board and they're not agreeing with you and you were thinking they're going to. So that giving up that control 
like it or not, is a big issue for most small business owners. And that's going to kill it. And you and I will disagree periodically. I'll disagree with you on this one. The fact of the matter is you don't bring in directors that aren't going to vote with you. Again, it's back to board of directors equal investors. That's really kind of the what the thing is. And don't worry about how it's structured, how this now. Nah, talk to your lawyer. That's the lawyer's job. But let's put this away. Don't have a board of directors unless you have outside investors. End of story. Okay? Because an advisory board will serve just as well. In keeping with our promise to you to bring practical tips, not theoretical or academic gibberish. So accordingly, we want to present some other ones. And the ones that we think are really going to be appropriate for the average small business that we encounter are the item number two on our list, which is an advisory board. Let's talk about that in just a moment. And I think you have some things we want to talk about right after this message. As a small business owner, you face many challenges. You're not alone. What can be even more stressful is not having someone to talk to who doesn't have their own agenda. What if you could talk in depth and confidentially to other small business owners like you on a periodic basis, folks facing the same challenges or who have solved the same problems? The Small Business Virtual Roundtables is the answer for you. Small Business Virtual Roundtables are held monthly for 90 minutes. Membership in each roundtable is limited to 15 people, providing ample time for each member to have their issue addressed by their fellow members. These peer advisory groups are formed to avoid competitive concerns while taking into consideration company size and characteristics that closely match your own business. Need more attention? There is a complimentary 30-minute one-on-one session with the facilitators during the month to seek additional feedback. Monthly membership fees to the Small Business Virtual Roundtables are less than the cost of an hour with your attorney, and this is all done without ever leaving your office or home. Just the time savings of avoiding needless driving is worth the cost. New groups of the Small Business Virtual Roundtables are now being formed on a first-come, first-served basis. Ready to sign up? Head to sbvirtualroundtables.com to receive a complimentary invitation to attend up to three meetings. Again, that's sbvirtualroundtables.com. With Small Business Virtual Roundtables, there's no need to go it alone. And now, back to Lonnie and Stan. Stan, let's talk about the next one. And then I'll lead it and then you follow up because you've got some pretty good experience with this. What is a business advisory board? Well, it's a very different animal than a board of directors. First of all, they have no legal responsibilities and really no authority. The members aren't compensated, but sometimes they are. Sometimes because you're asking people to work for you for no comp. Nah. Don't do that. Don't do that. Make sure they get paid in something, paper mostly, and maybe it's options that are five-year options or whatever, or it's phantom stock, but give them some kind of a reason to want to work with you. And since they have no real authority, you don't have to be insured. They don't have to be insured against lawsuits or whatever. And in many cases, Even a formal agreement between them is sufficient. It's kind of like all you need is that you want to know that they'll be there. Typically, they're people who you respect and they're people who've been recommended to you who maybe understand your business. And no matter what, 
If you have an advisor, whether it's a board of advisors, multiple, or a single advisor, a mentor, make sure two things. One, they've had experience, they've gotten the slings and arrows that you're facing today. And two, they know your business, not a business that you've got to learn about yours. No. Find people who know your business because then they can open doors for you as part of the board of advisors. They talk about being a lifelong learner. We use that term in our podcast. And that really pertains here when we talk about the benefits you can get from an advisor. If you're not open to discovery, if you're not anxious to hear different points of view, get your thinking, you know, make you defend your position, not just get everybody to agree with you because you think you're so smart. You know, if you're not that person, then this is not going to be for you. But if you're open to discovery, you're going to get the benefit of a diversity of personalities, hopefully. A lot of different talents. Like you talk about different skill sets and expertise to bring in. And just the idea of just talking. It's amazing how you solve your own problems, just talking them through. It's like when we get a computer problem, we talk it through, we want to solve ourselves in the process of asking for help. That blended sense of, of opinions, getting them to give you the feedback, not just you asking all the questions. Just sit and observe, let them demonstrate their expertise. It gets your juices going. They all sing the same song all the time. It's not the right thing. And if not, you have to start remember exiting people. Sometimes you exit or rotate your advisory board members. That's also a good thing. But that diversity is important. And frankly, if you've got a lack of expertise in a certain area, here's a great way to bring in a consultant, in effect, on your board who's going to have a vested interest, not just a come and go kind of thing. And also, if you've got the right people, they're going to have their contact list, just the whole networking aspects of the people they can tap into. That's one of the reasons I belong to a business networking group. You look at the people you know, well, think of all the people you know and who they know. I guess that's how LinkedIn got going. So you just can't underestimate the value that that brings if you use the thing properly. Absolutely. This is the critical thing, because if you're going to be able to use them, they've got to be able to add value. And it's value for value. They're going to provide value to you. You've got to provide some kind of value for them. That's the important thing to understand. And many small business owners don't quite get that. And on this one, you want to find advisors who don't agree with you. Now, think about that, who don't agree with you. I have had more clients that I have had to walk away from because all they wanted me to do was to agree with them. And Lonnie, that's a good point. One of the things you can do to screen people is throw them some absurd position and see what they think. And if they're agreeing with you, move on. (laughs) you get those people who are just people pleasers. You don't want that. You don't want a friend, okay? That's not what you're after. I used to have a story that I would tell, and that would be, if your advisor is somebody who is a cheerleader, there are guys out there like that. In fact, some of them charge you money for this kind of thing, and they want to be your friend. You want a friend by a dog, okay? (laughs) And there are others who want to be able to show you how you can best make your way through this. And basically, they're going to help you do this by being a cheerleader. You want a cheerleader? Go to a football game. The three objectives here. One is we want people who are going to be bringing in really solid objectivity. You can tell that because they know people. And they're candid, but still team players, not sit there and pissing everybody off to demonstrate their power or wisdom. And this is a big one, having no agenda. We're all for 
using your trusted professional advisors. But you know what? Whether you like it or not, no advisor wants to get fired because they pissed off the client by saying something to just really set them off. Exactly. It's hard to be that person and yet not be concerned in the back of your mind. Am I going to lose a client over this? Let's help our listeners think about when it makes sense to form a board of advisors. First, your company's growing so large that you're starting to lose touch with your employees or customers or vendors, suppliers, et cetera. The board of advisors can help you stay grounded and also keep you on your toes about important issues that your management team or staff may not want to tell you. You plan to raise capital from outside investors at some point or considering an infusion of debt. A board of advisors can help you weigh your funding options, help you evaluate growth plans, and maybe even provide introduction to alternative funding sources. And third, you're so busy running the day-to-day affairs of the business that you simply cannot think about strategic issues and long-term plans. An advisory board can be a valuable resource. Even if you have or are considering hiring an outside consultant, a strong board of advisors may still be just what you need. If you haven't been convinced to pick either one of these two, do this exercise of making believe you're going to form one. The question I pose to you is, who would come up in your mind as potential candidates for your board of advisors if you had to form one? And work on that. Now, if it's so clear to you that it just doesn't fit, then if you're a small company and you're growing slowly, then you may not need a board of advisors. Maybe you're just not ready for it. It may just maybe take too much of your time. So you may be simply just better off to join a peer advisory group. And we're going to talk to you about that. You heard about it in our commercials, and we're not here to pitch that because there are plenty of alternatives aside from what we're describing. But at least consider other people who have walked in your shoes who've got skin in the game, who can empathize, and who actually bring the black and blue marks of experience that they've been through that you're maybe also going through or have gone through. And it takes a lot less work, a lot less cost, and a lot less time, and yet still brings a lot of that accountability and guidance to the table. Now, if you have a low tolerance for other people's opinions, and I talked about this earlier, and you're kind of excessively paranoid about your competition, that may mean you need to consider other alternatives because I don't know that I can get you past that since we're not therapists. But the bottom line is only form an advisory board if you're going to listen to the feedback. And don't go to a roundtable meeting if you're not going to go and ask questions and listen to the feedback. And see the advisory board, you might also think about this. Think about forming an advisory board with people who have a skill set a really good skill set that you don't have strength in, that would help you a great deal. It adds flavor, if you will, to the advisory board. And Lonnie, a little war story, I know you have to have one like it. We've been around too long not to have the same story. Early in my career, I had a client was very profitable, growing rapidly, but operations were a mess. That's why I was brought in. They weren't managing growth well. I have a little seminar I do called Creating and Managing Rapid Growth, dot, 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 intelligently. And the intelligently part is what matters. They were growing it, but not intelligently. So things are out of sync, customer service issues, inventory problems, the whole thing of just getting out of hand. And most importantly, their closest competitors were growing more rapidly than they were. So everybody was rocking and rolling, but they were letting things 
slip through the cracks, if you will. So the CEO had recently formed a board of advisors before I met him. Everyone in the middle of management is really excited about, hey, Greg, but say, well, we're happy to have someone else they could be objective with other than fighting with their own boss who wanted to hear what he wanted to hear. So it quickly became clear that the whole thing was just a dog and pony show. CEO had no interest in using the board to solve problems in reality. And the CEO <laughs> would dogs. read these. Oh, yeah. You know, and we see it all the time. Oh, I got a board of directors. A lot of them want to brag about their board of directors. The CEO would routinely hide important information, talk about keeping secrets about the company, and had absolutely no interest in hearing what the board members had to say, even though he said he did, until the actual meeting took place and you watched the dynamic of that. I was going to make a sitcom out of this, their board meetings. The whole process <laughs> was just a damn sham and everyone knew it. Fortunately, though, the CEO, one thing I'll say, he's a good instincts about his customers. So the company was okay that way, but any really potential benefits that would have come from that were just dissipated. And so I actually suggested that he get involved maybe with a peer advisory group where the other owners who were there could flip him the bird if they didn't like what he had to say because he weren't being paid. In fact, he had to pay to be there. Exactly. And see, that's the best part of a peer advisory group is basically their peers, non-competitors. They've walked in your shoes, so you have personal respect. And the thing is, nobody's leading this. It's somebody says, hey, I have a problem with blank. Have you guys ever had this problem? That's what a peer advisory group is. They're basically kind of like a board of advisors through a whole bunch of other companies, and they'll give you perspective. That's the important part about all of this. They'll give you perspective. Whether they're in person, like Stan's run some of these for 25 years. We put together virtual ones based on covid Virtual has now become a way to do things. Well, it doesn't matter whether you can see the person's face or not. You can hear their voice and understand their pain and maybe help them. That's what a peer advisory group is. It's not a networking group. It's a way to really help each other. In the interest of transparency, as we say, our roundtable group is not the only one in the world. No, There are many groups. Why do we form this virtual group? Obviously, part of it was to do the response to the pandemic and people wanting to go virtual because up until now most roundtables including those that are college-based were in person and there's something to be said for the in-person but the reality is a lot of people are not going to drive two or three hours to get to a roundtable because down some non-metropolitan area and the problem is a lot of them are they're very costly some roads as much as twenty thousand a year some will require to be there for four to six hours some meet twice monthly. What we've discovered in the 24, almost 25 years now that we've been running our group is that an hour and a half is more than enough to get 10 or 15 people to get their issues in. And not everyone has an issue every month. You might have one issue for the month to take up the whole meeting. The point is the meetings never go silent, if you will. There's always someone who wants to reach out and get some feedback. And you learn from the person posing the question because you might have the same question and hadn't thought about it. But the 90 minutes is doable for most people, even those that are sole proprietors. The cost is reasonable. It's less than an hour. You pay for your attorney. And the feedback, the camaraderie, the respect, the confidentiality. You know, Lonnie, in all of these years, not once have I had a member say, someone breached my confidence. I heard from somebody. They heard from somebody. And we're in a small community. It doesn't happen. So the amount of trust and respect is incredible. Whatever you do, reach out, see what fits you, who fits you. Definitely get two or three sessions for free. If someone tries to pressure you and join you anyway, I'd be reluctant. 
Because you know what? You may not be the right fit for them, or they may not be the right fit for you. Maybe there's another group that'd be a better fit. Yeah. I mean, it's chemistry is a big deal in any of these. Chemistry is number one, in fact, because if you don't get along with each other, then you're not going to listen to them. The last thing to think about with these roundtables is the fact that you go and you want to help and you want to be helped. And that's really what this is about. It's not a competition. It's everything that we've talked about today. Let me just kind of recap where we've been today. And this was much more a kind of show and tell almost than our normal podcasts have been. But it's an item that we thought was really important for all of you to listen to. It's a major thing because it helps you do two things. One is it helps you get advice and counsel from folks who have been there, whether they've run their own companies, whether they're running companies today, or they have very specific experience, or in fact, they're just like you. And that's the idea. It's about knowing that you're going to get advice, you're going to give advice. And second, you're going to hold each other accountable. So the three areas, three approaches, boards of directors, more for larger companies, more for small public companies, et cetera, they have a place. You and your attorney will talk about their place in your business. Two, business advisory boards. These are basically one to five people that bring something to the party that you don't have beyond experience. They should absolutely have experience and they should have multiple company experience, et cetera. They should have a specific function that they're strong in that you're not as a company. And third is the peer advisory group. And that is finding a group that seems to be compatible that the facilitators are as charming as Stan and I are. That's really the gauge. Gauge it by that. <laughs> and while Lonnie and I certainly approve of you using your barber or hairstylist for your personal love life issues, we don't recommend that as a resource for your advisory board. <laughs> yeah. well, with that, I want to just thank everyone for listening today. Lonnie and I really appreciate that you spend your valuable time with us. We invite you to share your thoughts and stories, as we always do, at sbvirtualroundtables.com. And you can sign up and register for other podcasts if you haven't already. And also send it to info at sbvirtualroundtables.com. We'd love to get your feedback. As we said, you're welcome to join us for up to, up to three complimentary visits at our roundtable. You can just check it out and compare and be a guest. And you'll get a chance to see whether it's a mutual fit. And we can promise you, you'll feel like family than you might expect. So thanks for your time. You've been listening to the Small Business Wake-Up Call, the podcast providing eye-opening insights and perhaps a caffeine high to better run your business, delivered in Stan Simpkins and Lonnie Shambi's own unique style. Head on over to sbvirtualroundtables.com where you can connect with Lonnie and Stan, subscribe to the show, find more resources, and check out their monthly 90-minute virtual roundtables. Thanks for listening to the Small Business Wake-Up Call.